2: of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Bantwine, coming January
0: 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
1: Oh, hey, everybody. Man, it's like almost like we got abducted by aliens. We haven't talked about the X-Files in like four million years. Well, you know,
2: (laughs) we got ahead of ourselves. We got ahead of it. And that was fun, Mm because we got to be with people. But now we are back with our finger on the distinctly
1: extraterrestrial
2: pulse of uh, what's going on here.
1: (laughs) Wouldn't you say, Kristen? I would say, Jenny. um, We have a couple of things up here for you in the intro. Uh, First of all, as pertains to The X-Files, the television show, uh, we only have two episodes left in season one. And here's the thing. The next episode, the 23rd episode in season one, is an episode called Roland. Uh, this episode, if you're familiar with the series, the central character in this episode is a character that has autism. At least that's what the series is. Te- that's what the script is telling us. It is problematic from the top to the bottom. It is There are issues, so many issues that it is not even possible to, like, talk about the plot line of the episode without really unpacking all of the issues inside of it. And so as a team, uh, as a production team here at buffering a rewatch adventure, we have decided that we are actually not talking about this episode this season because we are in season two, uh, making a commitment to do a deeper dive into not only the episode Roland, but also uh, so many episodes of television and so many films that were released in the 90s that have these very same issues when talking about disability. So two weeks from today, where Roland would have aired, we will be doing a mailbag episode. We already have some fantastic emails from all of you, but this is your call. If you have a burning question, a burning comment, something you really want to send us, hello at Buffering Cast. Send us those emails this week um, because I will be pulling together a whole grouping of them for a special mailbag episode in two weeks. And then on the 29th of November, we will have our season finale of The X-Files covering the Erlenmeyer flask which i'm so excited to say so many times erlenmeyer it's flask probably
2: my cu- my favorite kind of flask yeah
1: it's just, i just don't think that an erlenmeyer flask can exist without a bunsen burner is that correct
2: uh i wouldn't say that they're mutually exclusive <laughs> but i would say that they are often found in one another's company especially when you're learning like terms in chemistry cool
1: cool cool uh so anyhow you can always learn our schedule the uh, dates that our episodes will go up bufferingcast.com just click on calendar and you can find all of that because our coverage of Slayers will also be continuing through
2: December Speaking of current events and the calendar, uh, this is Jenny, your friend, speaking now. You recognize my voice because we spend so much time together here in the feed. Um, I just wanted to remind my friends on the West Coast that I'm going to be playing some shows in November. I'm going to be playing in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle. And uh, I invite all of you to come hang with me. I'm going to be playing songs for my new album, Avalanche. Editor and friend of the pod, John Mark Nelson, is going to be out opening the shows and also performing with me. He is the best. Uh, it's going to be really fun. You can find tickets and info at JennyOwenYoungs.com. I would love to see your beautiful, shining faces. There was some very strong buffering representation uh, in the Northeast and Chicago. Mm. so you know, Sounds like a
1: challenge, um, if you ask me. It does. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Now I'm going to go over to this side of the room and you guys scream as loud as you can. (laughs) Uh, But but it would be delightful to see you all. I hope that um, you will come out and uh, sing and let me sing at you and there'll be
1: singing. Will there be be any singing? (laughs) Almost certainly. (laughs) All right, Jenny, it's your time to shine. It's been like a hundred years. Yeah, I've been doing the Sexual Attention Award results by myself forever.
2: I'm so sorry, Kristen. Thank you for carrying my torch while I could. When I looked back, Kristen, <laughs> at the beach, <laughs> at the Sexual Attention Award beach, I saw there was but one set of footprints. And that's when I realized you carried me, I did. recording I- little solo intros all by yourself.
1: I did. I carried you on the sexual tension award beach, which is <laughs> awkward because you know it's a nude beach and that's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, so beautiful friends, I am back to do what I was born to do. Some would say I was born to, you know, do what I was just talking about. Go play shows, write little songs. No, it's this. It's this. Uh, in fourth place with 2% of the vote, they could just not. You know what? Um, I like to think that gold and purple are complementary colors. Mm-hmm. You know, golden eyes, purplish coats. Mm-hmm. But maybe our listenership did not feel the same. Or maybe they were just totally skeeved out by this finger-licking rat freak. <laughs> tombs and his purplish coats. Disappointingly, in third place with 8% of the vote, it made me sad until I realized what was on top. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There were just like, mm-hmm. there were three incredible options yeah, I agree. for this episode. Uh, with 8% of the vote, But you know she's going to make it count. It's LaToya and Hot Aliens.
1: Which is really funny because Hot is spelled H-A-W-T, which stands for Hot Aliens with Tits, which means that this actually was (laughs) LaToya and Hot Aliens with Tit Aliens. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Listen, uh, uh,
2: don't get into the SEO optimization, <laughs> Kristen. Sorry. Uh, in second place with 26% of the vote, deep in a dungeon, it's none of our business. It's Sarah Benengasa and Walter Skinner. <laughs>
1: it was just a basement. It wasn't a dungeon. <laughs>
2: it's a, any basement can be a dungeon if you use it right, Kristen. <laughs> and in first place... Well-earned with 64% of the vote. Is this their most romantic episode? It's definitely up there Mm -hmm. in season one. It's Scully and Mulder, the mothership.
1: She would not put her life on the line for anyone but him, Kristen. (laughs) Oh wow, tombs such a great episode of television and I mean it's so so fortunate that we get to roll into born again right now equally as <laughs> incredible. Yeah, definitely another top tier episode for sure. Oh, oh, I have to tell you this before we go into the episode dear listeners. It um The name of the little girl in Born Again is Michelle. It's decidedly Michelle. (laughs) You will hear me refer to this child as Elizabeth and Michelle with no differentiation. (laughs) Interchangeably. Interchangeably. And so I just want to save you from confusion. just one girl. I like went into re-listening to the episode like, oh, I remember I called her Elizabeth like like a time or two. Maybe I can cut it out. No, it's just the whole episode. It's the whole episode. So you get to enjoy it. Um, Latoya suggested that perhaps I was thinking of elizabeth mitchell which i always am you know so that's probably why (laughs) i did this who knows but uh the young child the smug bitch her name is both elizabeth and michelle okay so just put that in your little head (laughs) and go on into this episode and enjoy here we go so
2: what do you think looks like a match yeah Name's Charlie Morris. Officer Charlie Morris used to work narcotics out of the
1: 2-7. Do you
2: know him? No. Before my time. Oh. Where is he now? Has he been transferred? You could say that. Agent Scully, this guy's been dead for
1: nine years. Which means that little girl saw a ghost.
2: That's the EX Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we're watching and discussing every episode of the X Files one by one, spoiler free. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, ex wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching
1: the X Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex wife of Jenny Owen Youngs. I've only ever seen 22 episodes of the X Files. Today, we're back after uh, stretching our little arms and our little legs a tiny bit while uh, we recovered from our live shows and also, you know, dropped three episodes of Slayers covering Slayers, a Buffyverse story. We are here talking about season one, episode 22, Smug Bitch Strikes Again. Just kidding. <laughs> it's called Born Again. It's called Born Again.
2: Uh, smug Bitch to the re-smug, re-smug Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Born Again was written by Alex Gonza and Howard Gordon, directed by Gerald Friedman, and originally aired on April 29th, 1994.
1: This is the one where an eight-year-old girl is the prime suspect in a series of bizarre, seemingly unrelated deaths. Were The the eves were nine, weren't they? There's really something about these. <laughs> not yet, like past, past toddler, not yet a... A
2: tween kind of age is that particularly not a particularly spooky for a tween, folks. <laughs> not yet a toddler. Uh, oh. Listen, I'm just happy that this episode did not make me try to believe that Dana Scully doesn't know that there are different time zones <laughs> in the United States, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a massive relief to me. uh Producer Latoya Ferguson gives this episode. <laughs> <laughs> a scary rating of one out of five. I swear we've seen this episode multiple times already this season. Only now there is origamis, <laughs> <laughs> which is fair. It's it's uh, you look you know twenty four episodes. That's a hefty order, and you're figuring stuff out. You're coming up with things. You're cooking. You're cooking. But sometimes you know. Sometimes you're taking things from the meal plan and kind of recycling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if instead of, you know, r- grilled chicken, roasted potatoes, and sauteed kale, we had roasted chicken, grilled kale, and sauteed potatoes, question <laughs> mark? Uh, well, Toyo's right to say this.
1: <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, according, again, to some of the production notes we got from LaToya, she and we are not the only ones feeling a bit disappointed in this episode and specifically its repetitive plot lines. Uh, David
2: Duchovny, quote, (laughs) detested this episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, writer Howard Gordon expressed his disappointment, feeling it was too similar to his earlier work on Shadows, uh, mm-hmm. finding mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. not quote done particularly interestingly. Uh, Chris Carter said, "Not nearly enough Salamandy hand." Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: more salamandy handies
1: uh, (laughs) but yeah it sounds like you know the AV club was like guys haven't we seen this before I think we're all in the same boat um and Pete and repeat are here remember Pete and repeat I don't know where that memory yeah they were um... in
2: a boat and Pete fell out and then who was um left in the boat Kristen
1: repeat (laughs) okay I won't but you know I could
2: um a couple other things maybe to just mention here at the top that have absolutely nothing to do with this episode of television. Sorry, this is what happens on podcasts. It is the way of the world. Um, we've been accomplishing things. Aside aside from making episodes about uh, Slayers, a Buffyverse story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was scooted around and played some shows. You did. Uh, in support of my new album, Avalanche. Kristen got the world's most epic case of COVID-19. Truly
1: like Chris like was flattened. 2020 style COVID in my body. I'll tell you what. I was very flattened. And only but she, mo- <laughs> yeah, <go ahead>. she <laughs> healed just in time. Just in the nick of time
2: to moderate the New York Comic-Con Slayers, a Buffy story panel with all of the cast. What a thrill. Oh my god, there's pics online if you haven't seen them. Mm-hmm.
1: If you'd like and... to heal quickly from COVID uh just stand between james marsters and juliet landau while they flirt with each other in character it's exactly great for the skin great for the soul
2: yeah, that'll do it uh and friend of the pod if we were to have another host she would be it uh joanna robinson newly minted new york times best-selling author
1: Fuck. of mcu yes. the reign of uh, marvel studios so fucking about exciting! That? So fucking about that? exciting! Joanna Robinson, uh, who knew that someone who champions the green apple could ever be a New York Times bestseller, and yet here we are.
2: Listen, <laughs> listen. Let's not open that can of apples. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to lead, you know, anywhere good. People have a lot of strong feelings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to rile anybody up. We're This is a family show, uh, and our main goal is relaxation.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, Joanna, we are so proud of you. We are so excited for you. Uh, you should go get that book if you haven't already. Though. Yeah, just
2: because it's already a New York Times uh-huh. bestseller it doesn't mean you shouldn't go buy a copy right now. I agree. agree. It'll be great practice for buying uh, multiple copies of our
1: book when it comes out. <laughs> Uh, oh, so, OK, uh, big thought. I mean, clearly we've given some big thoughts already via the creators and cast of the show, Latoya and us by association. But Jenny, um, I feel like all of my all of my strong feelings
2: are like. <laughs> Like uh, detailed, like about specific things that
1: happen in the episode, so I'm gonna hold off on any yelling that I might do. All right. Okay. Yeah. My big you? thoughts. I mean, um, apart from on a, the understanding that I was pretty bored with the majority of this episode's plotline, I was um, outraged in a way that I'm sure will show up many times as we discuss the point-by-point scenes about the New York City accents uh, just (laughs) pushed directly into Buffalo, New York. And uh, I was also thrilled by Maggie Wheeler and all of her vests. Uh, Just absolutely delighted. So uh, those are my main... Oh, and also, uh, I I would like... I know that we do the sexual tension awards here. That's the votes that we count, yada, yada. But, Jenny... This week, I would really like to uh, unleash a second poll, which is uh, who smugged it bitchiestly? E- <laughs> Eves or Elizabeth? Like, who was the smuggest bitch? You know, I I just want to know, because I, I have my own mm. feelings, but it just feels <laughs> like we should put these three head to head, but really two, uh, the pair or yeah. one. Yeah, Kristen, I think it might be an exercise
2: in futility because while Michelle Bishop is you know conducting evil (laughs) (laughs) and while she is doing it with what some people not me but what some people might refer to as resting smug bitch face uh uh, i don't feel like she is actually i don't feel like she's smugging super hard i feel like she's just like you know possessed by a spirit that is, is hell bent yeah. on revenge, but isn't like <laughs> the way that the eaves are. The way that the eaves are like, we put digital in your soda. <laughs> you okay, know what I mean? Fair,
1: fair. I just there were a couple of shots. Um, three. I'm going to name them actually. Uh, shot number one. Uh, Smug bitch Elizabeth looking down from the window and throwing uh, an origami crane or whatever out the fucking window. That's a hawk or a falcon. A hawk or a falcon. Uh, Smug bitch Elizabeth on the bus, hair parted in the middle just to be extra smug as Leon gets dragged to his death. And Smug bitch three, her little face in the window of Tony and Anita's house. Right Right in between the curtains. In between the curtains. Yeah, I thought those were her top three smug bitch moments Um, as
2: as we're talking about her I was like watching it being like why does this girl look so familiar is it because I've just seen this episode before or what I'm just realizing that she looks she's like the spitting image of the little sister of my ex-girlfriend
1: oh I was like all ready to be in cahoots with you but I have no idea who that person is yeah no now I'm scared (laughs) All right, well, let's uh, begin in Staten Island, New York. I mean, sorry, Buffalo, New York at the 14th yep. Precinct.
2: Yeah. Kristen, mm. I've got a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do the night guys get a piece like Detective <laughs> Sharon Lazard? <laughs> what, did, what did the night guys ever do to deserve a, and I quote, peace?
1: Peace. A piece peace. Like uh, uh, Sharon
2: Lazard, a.k.a. Janice from Friends, a.k.a. actress Maggie Wheeler.
1: Oh, it's fate, detective. Trying to keep us apart. <laughs>
2: uh, I love her and I wish in unison with LaToya that we got to see her do more of Consequence in this episode. She's always showing up to be like, hey, I figured something out and here it is. Honestly? Like, Show me, let 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 the closing diary entry voiceover be Detective Sharon Lazard.
1: Oh, fuck. That would be so good. I love her. I mean, my biggest familiarity with her is Janice from Friends. So I was... And listen, who doesn't love Janice from Friends except for all of the Friends, including, but not limited to Chandler Bing. But Mm -hmm. I was so deeply attracted to her in this episode. I was so into her character. I loved everything about her. Um, And I not only wish that she got more in this episode, but I would love for there to be an agent of interest based in New York City who often calls up Scully on the phone to compare (laughs) notes. Just saying (laughs) I loved their dynamic and I would love more of it outside of simply this episode, so... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm. Same.
2: Uh, Detective Sharon leaves work. <laughs> it is relieved. It's like, ugh. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Uh, steps out into the bright morning and sees a little girl in the alley next to the station.
1: Don't uh, ever approach a little girl in an alley. Especially one that looks
2: like this, who's just, like, you know, Staring. dead-eyed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she takes this girl back in and is like, hey... Detective Barbala. Um, this one's for you. And Michelle Bishop said, play the patriarchy jingle <laughs> for what this man said earlier and promptly
1: launches him out of the window. Oh, Maggie Wheeler to uh, Elizabeth. This is Detective Barbala. What? Where are <laughs> we? Um... <laughs> so, Lizard, that's how we pronounce her name, Lizard. That's how I'm pronouncing it. All right. (laughs) Lazard flies into the room hearing this crash, and Michelle is doing, I have resting smug bitch face in my notes, uh, Jenny, as well, several times. I actually shortened it a few times to just R-S-B-F, resting smug bitch face. Um, I also have a question for you that's probably come up in our conversations before because we talk so much about 90s television, but... This idea that houseless folks are always setting fires in metal trash cans—it just like how did that become the signature of '90s television, uh, showing us houseless? There, first of all, to Latoya's point, they're directly across the street from the police precinct, which seems really it just seems
2: like... like a bad place—a place where a
1: fire illegally set would promptly be put out. Second of all, I don't know—it's April. Uh, we learn it is it is literally april and it does not appear cold at all in buffalo so what is the, it's just such beautiful a beautiful sunny day it's it's just such curious a choice. my mind
2: is like is uh showing me a montage of various characters from various film and television uh you know who have, well, I'm like oh, okay there's Ricky from my so-called life uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh re- recently ejected from his home mm-hmm. wandering up to a fiery barrel etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: yeah every but every time that we're in the streets of Sunnydale or Los Angeles and in the Buffyverse we have that it's just It just feels uh, a little overused uh, to me. And also, I myself have never seen a fire in a barrel. And I have seen so many houseless folks in my life. So I'm just wondering. The
2: only time I've been around a barrel fire, it was set by someone r- right outside of their house. Right. For fun.
1: Yes. Or like burning leaves. Like, I've seen that. Bur- you, you know, you want to get rid of all the leaves in your yard.
2: Or, I've seen people burn trash. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> sometimes people burn trash in a barrel,
1: especially in New Jersey. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right. so, um, after we see Michelle's resting smug bitch face, we cut to the credits um and <laughs> I know, I know we're not supposed to ask questions. But Jenny, we cut to the street outside and the crime scene is fully active, okay? We learn later, actually, that Barbala has only been dead for 11 hours when Scully is doing the autopsy. How can they poof themselves to places? Are they able to, you know, is there some kind of uh, phenomena in how they travel? I don't understand how they got from D.C. to Buffalo this quickly. (laughs) This is
2: a really good question.
1: (laughs) But you know such a good question. You know what we don't do here? We don't ask questions.
2: Yeah, we don't ask questions. Uh, we do know that Sharon found them because her brother is a cop in Baltimore and was like, "Oh, wait, well, they were these uh, two uh, people who took care of this, this guy with stretchy fingies. And maybe they would be of use to you. in this uh, guy flies through a window <sighs> while talking to a little girl alone. i'm
1: I'm so tickled with uh lazard and and lazard's brother also lazard just like on the phone like both like he's having a beer she's having a glass of wine he's like you're never gonna believe what i heard the other day yeah this this fucking guy he has stretchy fingies and these fbi agents Mm -hmm. they always solve the impossible (sighs) there Um, were a lot of missing scenes for me
2: yeah yeah the first thing that I did when I finished taking my notes for this episode was Google Maggie Wheeler Sopranos and <laughs> I am I was greatly disappointed to discover that Maggie Wheeler did not appear on
1: The Sopranos. Uh, their loss.
2: Okay, so Michelle says there was another man in the room. Sharon's like, no way. I was freaking outside the whole time. I was right there.
1: Mm-hmm, um, the department is ruling, yeah, the department is ruling this as suicide and I mean Mulder immediately asks the very important question. what? Per- well, he asks one of two. I think one, uh, what person is going to commit suicide by jumping through the glass of the window to jump out the window? And the question he doesn't ask is, if you're going to do this, would you choose the one rare moment when you're inside of a room with an eight-year-old girl to do this? Like, it just feels... Mm-hmm. It feels like even your most basic level detective would have some more questions about this case.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Sharon is like, there is something that is not right with this child. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh. oh, my gosh. It's it's so great to, it's always so great to visit a computer of any kind <laughs> <laughs> on the X-Files. Uh, this time it's a digital sketch artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michelle is trying to tell them, you know, what the guy looked like that she said she saw in the room. Mulder whispers giddily in the ear of the sketch artist and is like, hee-hee-hee, make, make some funny mustache options appear. And Michelle laughs at first, then she glares at the computer until it glitches and presents the correct mustache.
1: Oh, my God. Um, I would like to uh, enter into the evidence of this podcast that this drawing be referred to as the man from Guess Who? I know there are many men in Guess Who, but this, <laughs> no, just, but this is the one. This is the one. This is the man from Guess Who, and everyone talks about it like it is so specific. Like, oh, we could recognize this man. This is the man from Guess Who. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, later
2: when Mulder's like, well, look at this, and presents a, a picture of the police officer hanging in the precinct, he should be in the police department's board game room. Yeah pointing to guess who.
1: (laughs) Honestly, that's how the enhanced guy should do his like sketches instead of using the computer. Just like, is he wearing, was he wearing glasses? No. And he flicks down all of the guess who guys that are wearing glasses. Hell yeah. (laughs) Okay. So Scully is with Elizabeth's mom and trying to find out how this girl got to Buffalo. It's a half hour away by train. And then even then it's like a five minute car ride from the train station. Mm hmm. Her mom explains that when she got home, Mrs. Doherty, the nanny, was locked in the basement. No, is... this
2: is in the wine cellar.
1: Oh, in the wine cellar. Oh, this is a rich, this is a rich smug bitch.
2: Yeah, yeah. But well, this is this is some real Eve behavior. <laughs>
1: yeah. For uh, sure. If only the internet was more developed at this time, you know that the Eves and Elizabeth would have been chatting it up, uh, discussing oh, for sure. their plans. <laughs> smug um... bitch for smug bitch. <laughs> Scully is looking incredible in a striped suit. Uh, just would like to note that. And we learned that this is the fourth nanny, or this is the fifth nanny, because she's already gone through four this year. Uh, her mom says uh, she is a disturbed child. Sometimes she frightens me. I would also like to note that in this scene, she says, she's not like other girls, Ancient Scully. She's not like other girls. She's not like other Kristen. girls. Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: she's not like other girls she eats a cheeseburger instead of a salad <laughs> and she's just like one of the guys no 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 none of this she's has no friends she rarely smiles she sees things her mom can't see and hears people yelling in her head uh, the she, other kind of she's not like other girls uh,
1: yeah she also won't go near the water every time they try to give her swim lessons she would quote scream like you've never heard in all your life show me the footage i want to hear the scream
2: I, too, want to hear the scream.
1: Outside the house, Mulder says to uh, Elizabeth's mom, do you recognize this man from the game Guess Who? (laughs) Yeah, he rolls up with a Guess Who sketch. She does not.
2: Um, And then he very slowly turns his head to look up (laughs) at the window.
1: What if, what if he slowly turned his head, okay? He slowly turns his head and in the window is Cecil, Samantha Mulder, both Eves, and also Elizabeth. They're just all there. <laughs> <laughs> Waving down. Cecil smoking a cigarette. Just
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not, tremendous. Tremendous. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's a real... It's like the Christmas special edition. Yeah. Everybody's here.
1: My note is, why are people always looking out of windows? Which, like, clearly (laughs) there's more that I should have written to contextualize, but you get what I mean.
2: Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, (laughs) Michelle, from her vantage point on high, throws down something. Mulder picks it up. It's an origami hawk. Mrs. Bishop is like, it's called origami. And Mulder is like, Japanese paper folding. Where'd she learn to do that? And Mrs. Bishop is like, I have no idea. I just want to say mm-hmm. that this is being treated as though she is like speaking in tongues or something. When I, let's see, in 1993, mm-hmm. my family had multiple origami instructional books in the house. I feel like origami was having like a real, yeah. like broad uh you know cultural consciousness moment i agree origami was like everywhere
1: what are we ta- what are we talking about i agree Mich- <gasps> michelle could have easily just checked out a book at her local library uh to make this hawk i also thought when i first watched the episode i was like pretty stoked because i thought that she was sending down like a paper airplane but that it was going to have a little note written inside of it and i was so <laughs> sad that no one ever opened up any of the origami that's, are you not going to open it up see if what you do there's with origami, inside. Kristen. Because I mean,
2: then how are you going to get the beautiful paper sculpture Unless back?
1: you're a detective, Jenny. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <sighs> so they move over to what I've called in my It would location. be funny if they like, at the very end of
2: the episode, we cut to Mulder's apartment and on his mantle, he has the little hawk and he like, he's like, hmm. And he walks over to it and unfolds it. And then on the white side of the paper, it's just like, hello, I am being possessed <laughs> I am the reincarnation of a murdered man, and he was uh, murdered by his friends, and their names are blah, blah, and blah. And uh, you can find them at these addresses. All the ones are dead. And, um,
1: he makes direct eye contact with the camera, shakes his head, and snaps his fingers like, oh, yeah, shucks, yeah. it was there. And the then whole freeze time. frame. Yeah. Um, I've noted the next location in my notes as the enhanced car, because turns out this guy, the enhanced man, has like a traveling setup. He has like a fax machine in the back of his van. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's sending the image uh, to get matched so that we can find out who this might be. I have a bone to pick with Fox Mulder. He never discusses Anything with Scully before he just makes declarations to people. This is an ongoing theme, and this episode 22 in was finally the moment when I got annoyed. They like Scully and Mulder walk over to this van together. Enhance man is there. Mulder goes, "Can you give her a ride back to the city?" Like. He could have just said, Scully, here's what I was thinking. I'm gonna go talk to the psychiatrist that Elizabeth sees, and you do the autopsy <laughs> solo. Is that cool? Instead of being like, Can you take can you take Is this broad th- back to the city? Yeah, yeah. And like, she's like,
2: We have an autopsy. And he's like, That's your department. Dead bodies, yucko. <laughs> uh, oh. and then he's like, Look for burns and lesions because psychokinesis, of course. <laughs>
1: He's like, you've heard of it from like two other episodes in this same season. She's like, yeah, I roll.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God. Are you saying Michelle possesses the ability to psychically project her own will? Honey, you know, that's what he's
1: saying. We're to believe that Michelle is both either possessed by the spirit of Charlie and or the reincarnated being that is Charlie but also yeah. possesses telekinetic yeah. power. Yeah. It's Guys, <laughs> what? Is... I don't. I am I know this is a cult show so I am sticking around for season 2. But season mm-hmm. 2, this is your warning. You better raise yeah. the fucking bar for Kristen Russo, okay? <laughs> yes.
2: Uh <laughs> if if your writers are tired, hire more writers. <laughs> Um. Oh, Kristen, you know what we didn't say about Judy Bishop, Michelle's mom? What? Do you, you know who she is?
1: No, she did look familiar, though.
2: Her name is Day Young, and uh, while she has been in lots of stuff, uh, this and that, she's best known, perhaps, as uh, the mean sales lady who wouldn't sell anything to Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. <gasps> Wow. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Uh,
1: Oh, I love that. Oh, Julia Roberts gets that lady so good. Mm -hmm. That was a great 90s burn for all of us. Um, Mm -hmm. For all of us 12-year-olds on the side of sex workers everywhere, you know? We were really excited about that moment. Yay! Okay, so... Oh, my God. So every once in a while when I'm watching an episode, I have to text Jenny. I, like, cannot wait for the podcast to discuss something. And this scene... With the therapist or the psychotherapist or whatever her title is, was the moment for me when she opened up her closet and it was like a stack of papers, a book, and six mutilated dolls just <laughs> sitting in a row.
2: Uh, what would you prefer? They were all askew and in a
1: heap? I don't know. It just feels like something for like office storage, maybe not right next to your desk. That just feels like you're asking for. Yeah, it, it's like,
2: you know, you have other patients.
1: Yeah. What if
2: you have to go in there while you're in a session <laughs> to get like an important document and then the person that you're seeing sees over your shoulder that you have a cabinet absolutely
1: brimming <laughs> with mutilated dolls? Fucking no thank you. Unless your patient is Drusilla, they would be very oh, yeah. upset.
2: <laughs> uh, Mulder's like, what? Well, as you've been seeing Michelle seeking the source of her extreme rage, have you tried deep regression <laughs> hypnosis? His because of course he is. Yeah. This is his number one fave. Uh, she's like, no, I certainly haven't.
1: No, and she says that she's prescribed Thorazine, which Mulder is very upset about. Um, and then immediately he's like, have you seen any telekinesis <laughs> this is like okay we're laughing you about it any cause... psychic abilities and she's like I have another appointment sir like yeah. has Mulder
2: ever considered being subtle in any way
1: it feels like the back half of the season is just going a little bit hard on this for me like I mean I love to laugh about it it's very funny but also just from a realistic standpoint it just seems You know Mulder, as has been said many times, is this incredible agent. He's really brilliant, and in the beginning of the series, I remember him engaging with folks in a way that sort of tested their openness to conversations like this, and Mm. then like he would sort of adjust his approach accordingly, which I felt was really great. And I I don't love these last few episodes where he's just going full in knowing that he's going to lose the people that he's talking to it just seems like why bother why bother if you're just going to like close that door by screaming about all of these things that you believe to be true right out of right out of the gates
2: it doesn't seem like the tactic of someone who's interested in like who's actually interested in like bringing someone yeah. into their way of thinking
1: yeah exactly Oh, we go to the autopsy room. This is, I think, the sexiest an autopsy room gets so far in the series oh. for me personally. Uh, when uh, when Sharon rolls up and I'm pretty sure she is. She's still in the white vest at this point. But don't worry, everyone. She will change into a red vest. I kept track Multiple
2: of. Multiple vests in the span of so a single episode.
1: <laughs> many vests. Um Scully has just sort of seen this gigantic electrocution burn on the chest of Barbala. when I say in my notes that uh, Sharon comes in to flirt. Um, And they have this exchange that we played at the top uh, where Sharon is like, so what do you think about these two? Um, And we learn that Charlie Morris, who looks just like the guy from Guess Who... Has been dead for nine years, which means that little girl saw a ghost. Why?
2: (laughs) That man hasn't worked in this precinct in a hundred years. I love when any
1: character from like a law enforcement or like, you know, just like a medical background, anybody like that actually chooses to make the reveal dramatic for the, you know, like, like. Sharon is like, well, wouldn't you know? Like she really sets Scully up for the dramatic reveal that he's been dead mm-hmm. for 9 years. So appreciate that. Jenny Yo. You know, like I always say, if you <laughs> if you haven't figured out a way to um You know, be a little racist and you're making an episode of television in the 90s. You really want to get that in at least, um, you know, no more than halfway through the episode. So this uh, they do this correctly here. They have to bring in Chinatown and uh, the the Triads. Uh, Which, you know, just a note on what that that those words refer to, um, according to like Wikipedia. These were mafia like organized crime syndicates internationally. Um, This is such uh, why. It's, it's really just a big why for me. Um, a, Buffalo, just by demographics, incredibly small Chinese population in Buffalo. Um, Latoya mm-hmm. had a good laugh at the fact that, like, A, we're treating this like it's New York City, both in accent. And B, that something of, of, of this nature would be happening so actively in Buffalo is just a... It's just a confusing choice for so many reasons, and, and the biggest question I had was just, why? Like, there doesn't seem to be any reason why the Chinese mafia would need y- to be involved <laughs> in this storyline at yeah. all. What I love the the best,
2: uh-huh. I think my favorite thing, <laughs> is that there's not, uh, to my recollection, I don't think we see a single Asian person on screen. But we do find a way to work them into the plot as uh, invisible, invisible uh, villains uh, capable of of great, great evil.
1: Mm -hmm. And also in Japan, uh, able to provide a beautiful art called origami. They're just like coming at it from all angles in this episode Mm -hmm. for no clear reason. Okay. So, let's see. Mulder, I say, is back on his telekinesis bullshit. Um, He's asking (laughs) Scully why it is so hard for her to believe this, even when the evidence is right in front of her. Scully, making a very Scully point, says, well, sometimes believing will lead you to miss the evidence that is right in front of you as she walks Mulder over to the plaque that... Michelle walked right by um, on her way to the office, which has my a photo of that God. guy from Guess Who right there for her. <laughs> so
2: crazy that uh, the origin of the guy from Guess Who was actually that he was a police officer in Buffalo.
1: <laughs> cab except the guy from Guess Who. <laughs> okay, so... Oh my God. Does Mulder have this doll in his little purse? Is that, that's what's happening, right? He took (laughs) one of the dolls. Do you think he stole it from Sheila? I think he did.
2: (laughs) I think he took it without asking permission.
0: Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back.
1: Jenny, I was so excited to talk about Mulder stealing the mutilated doll from Sheila's office, and also jumped right into the conversation on why uh, and racism. That I forgot to set up the fact that the the reason we learn about um, the the Chinese triads. And the gang this is a gangland style murder that Charlie has on record like that is how Charlie's death is recorded. So Scully has delivered that information to Mulder. Mulder then asks for the specifics. Mulder wants to know, as he says, the grisly details. And she explains that Charlie's arm was severed and his right eye was gouged out. Mulder's like, "Did he look a little something like this?" and waggles the doll around. <laughs> oh God, he does do that, doesn't he? Oh God,
2: Mulder, Mulder. <sighs>
1: stop it, stop. Uh, uh, so they decide that they are going to talk to Charlie's ex partner, Tony Fiore. <sighs> you know
2: Yes, I do know. I do know exactly (laughs) that. This guy does not want to talk to them. Mm. Uh, He steps outside to talk to them and is like, I don't want to wake my wife. They're asking questions. They're asking him questions about the circumstances of Morris's death. And he's like, oh, let me just guide you over to the opposite end of my porch to say, that's still under investigation and I can't (laughs) comment.
1: Yeah, he's clearly feeling very fidgety and nervous from the jump, um, and Scully, Detective Scully. Uh, if oh you yeah notices that when his wife, Anita, LaToya, making a good point, why did they choose the West Side story names of Tony and Anita for this couple? Is there a reason? Um, Anita comes out. Scully notices that she had a dusting of baking flour on her hand. She was clearly Mm. not Mm. sleeping. Um, Jenny, I wanted to read LaToya's notes about these two actors because I thought it was cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, Brian Markinson is the actor who plays Tony. Uh, This is a guy who's had a very steady career. Uh, He will show up on X-Files again playing a different character. He had a multi-episode role on Mad Men. Uh, He was the husband to Linda Cardellini. Um, And Hmm. yeah, and I guess he has also done a lot of Broadway and off-Broadway work. This was, I felt embarrassed for myself because he was in 13 episodes of The L Word. And even when I looked up his character, whose name I forget, I had no idea who this guy was. It was inconsequential no. character to me, uh, Kristen Russo, who notably podcasted about at least one season of The I L mean- Word, so. <laughs> Yeah, what the hell? I don't know. Um, and then his wife is played by Mimi Lieber. Um, and she also has a really prolific career, especially on Broadway. So these are two um, actors who have great careers. And I, and I love that they're both stage actors. And I, I feel like they do a great job. So
2: hooray! I agree. Okay, so Fiore, Tony Fiore, goes to see this guy Leon Felder. He's freaking out. They're referencing a bunch of money that they were going to split ten years after the fact of something, and uh, they no longer have to split it with Barbalo or Morris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: Don't you feel like ghosts are always associated with stories where bad men are trying to steal money? Like, I feel like yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. ghosts and this plot line go together often.
2: Yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, why else would a ghost be uh, lingering upon the mm-hmm, land
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: if if he didn't have unfinished business re-money? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Leon Felder, clearly born and raised in Buffalo, uh, asks Tony what he should do with the money. Make a donation to the Little Sisters for the Poor? I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't, Jenny. No, I know. I Tony is. Uh, Tony is. I have to say that I am glad that Tony seems to l- be the one survivor of the crew because he really. It doesn't seem. Like he wanted anything to do with this for a long time, nor did he have any idea what he was signing up for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But in this moment, he's basically like, I don't want any of the money. Like either dump it or you take it all. Like I don't fucking care. I just like don't want to be involved in this shit anymore. Um, Yeah. I just want to take a minute, Jenny, to make sure that I understand what I'm supposed to understand. These Mm -hmm. four guys, Leon is now a guy who sells disability insurance, but he was a cop also He was partners with Charlie. No, he, oh, let me get, Charlie and Tony were partners. Leon and Rudy were partners. They Mm -hmm. all decided to hurt people for, (laughs) I don't understand what they were actually doing to make their money. And I've watched the episode twice and taken notes. Do you know what their scheme was? Like who, how were they getting the money? Kristen, I don't know. <laughs> okay, listen. Uh, I would like everyone to know that three, at least three minutes of silent audio was cut out for you, the listener. But I just sat here watching Jenny desperately read. Sina- Here's the thing, Jenny. It's not your fault. It should not be this hard to understand. This is not on us. This is on them. Uh, well, is
2: it? Does it have to
1: do with the big drug
2: bust where there that like made them all interconnected?
1: Did they? Do did they, ooh, did they steal a bunch of money? <laughs> but then if they stole a bunch of money from these folks in Buffalo and put it in a bank and we're going to keep it there for 10 years, why is Leon now selling disability insurance? Like, why wouldn't he just be a cop still? What's the disability insurance plot line? Is that not even a part of the plot?
2: Mm, maybe you know it's to? throw them off the scent uh spread them out a little further from each other ah
1: sure if you have any ideas about the plot line for the episode born again uh please yeah write if we're to missing us.
2: something very obvious we are sorry <laughs> hello
1: at buffering cast either way they were trying to scare charlie the death was an accident um this was the vibe so did they, uh, I don't, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to ask any more questions. We, we have a podcast to do here. It's the podcasting is not mm-hmm. about asking questions. So we go to the street outside. Leon is going to take the bus home. Leon to me did not seem like the kind of guy who would be taking a bus home. I'm just going to say this like f- felt interesting to me, like an interesting choice, but we need a bus death. Uh, hanging by bus is the death here. This is the strongest winter scarf. I guess it is Buffalo that has ever been worn by any man ever. Leon gets off the bus and he's sort of tightening his scarf when all of a sudden a ghosty presence no. pulls his scarf in back into the middle door of the bus, wraps it around the handle and the bus begins to drive away, pan up to the smuggiest bitch of them all. Oh
2: my God, there she is staring like an absolute creep. Here's a thing, Kristen. Uh, the gentleman who is driving the bus, uh, is a young black man, uh, who is not wearing glasses. Mm -hmm. But when, (laughs) when they cut (gasps) to the, the front, like oncoming bus view, Uh so like you're looking right at the bus and it's driving towards you. The man driving the bus, I'm pretty sure is older, white and wearing glasses. Wow. Just a, just a heads up. Just a
1: tiny, just a small continuity error there. Mm-hmm. Um, the power of this ghost slash telekinetic slash reincarnate, who knows, is so strong that it can both control the scarf of Leon and the gas and brake pedals of this bus. So even when the bus driver or drivers notice that Leon is being dragged and tries to stop the bus, he can't. Uh, And Leon perishes.
2: Bold of you to assume that you deserve an explanation for any of this, Kristen.
1: I know. I twenty-two episodes in. Have I not learned by now? (laughs) Uh, Back at the precinct, um, Michelle's mom is sitting with Scully and Mulder. Now, I'd like—I did make a very big point about Michelle's mom earlier, saying. She's not like other girls. Um, I made that point for our jokes, but also specifically to connect to this moment where she's crying and she says, she's just a little girl. (laughs) And I'm like, lady, which one is it? You know what I mean? Are you scared of this kid because she can like move shit with her mind or is she simply an eight year old girl? Or does Um, she contain
2: multitudes, Kristen? Yeah,
1: it's true. She can be a little from column A and a little from column B. Oh, this is where Sharon is wearing her red vest um yes. and she has figured out that then this is again like is underlining Latoya's point like all of the things that she is doing are happening off screen and she just comes in mm-hmm. to tell us what she's found yeah. um yeah. Yeah. but she explains that Leon used to be a cop and was partnered with Barbala. <gasps>
2: okay uh lacking his little slide projector mhm Mulder is forced to make do with a chalkboard and some photographs. <laughs> he writes I... down four names. He crosses out three of them. He circles one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he points to some faces in this photograph. Uh, <laughs> he's he's doing his best with the materials on
1: hand. Also, okay, so he he is doing the best with the materials on hand. Scully is looking through the um, homicide file on Charlie Morris and notices that there's a page gone Tony Fiore has simply checked this file out earlier that afternoon using his full God-given name on the piece of paper. (laughs) Tony, no. Tony! Tony is so panicked. He does not. He never meant to be involved in this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And he's really,
2: honestly, not cut out for it. (laughs) He's
1: not. He's really not. Uh, So back at the Fiore household, um, Scully and Mulder come to find Tony and ask him about this, but he's not there. Uh, Anita says he never came home last night. Uh, Jenny, I wrote in my notes, she makes them three cups of coffee or perhaps gets them from the very, very edge of her countertop where they were full (laughs) to the top. Uh,
2: Yep. Yep. Mulder. uh, If you had Mulder is a fish tank guy on your bingo (laughs) card, go ahead and mark that off because Mulder is a fish tank guy. He's staring into the fish tank. There's a cool yellow tang in there. No big deal. And there's also a little diver statue. Interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, anybody who had a fish tank in the 90s had one of those little statues, you know.
2: It's true. It's true. But type it into your field notes report. Uh (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. And look at... (gasps) Kristen! Yeah. Look at all this origami. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. There's this origami... Everywhere Mulder's like, hey, so cops, copity cop, cop, cops, cop, cop, cops. Any, no any cops, and Mrs. Fury is like, we didn't usually socialize with other cops completely. Holding off on the info dump that she was married to Charlie Morris.
1: <laughs> yeah. Before she was married to Tony Fiore. Which seems like a really bizarre choice, also, because it's not like Anita's been involved in any of this. Like, she has had no clue that any of this has happened. And she seems like, well, no, very... I mean, she was baking the, the whole, the their whole, whole marriage. Their whole marriage. <laughs> um, uh,
2: yeah. Also, 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 Kristen. Uh, Charlie Morris was the big origami head.
1: Yeah, he was... What do you think uh, about that? He was bo- Charlie Morris was born in Japan, um, uh, her first husband, because his, pa- his parents or his dad or whatever was stationed in Japan. Um, so he is the person who knew how to do origami. Now, I want you to know that my first watch of this, and in my second watch, I kind of knew what was going on, but still not really, really knew. But my first watch, I was like, okay, so Charlie was having an affair with... And I've written Elizabeth's mom, because apparently I think this little girl's (laughs) name is Elizabeth, with Michelle's mom. And that's why And I'm so confused, like full Mm -hmm. math meme for me in this moment, my first time watching this. Um, But no, Charlie's origami skills, just like the diabetes (gasps) transferred a few episodes ago, the Mm -hmm. origami folding skills transferred with this whatever it is. I have. So, as I'm reasoning it out, one of my notes is so his ghost went into the baby?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we all <laughs> Anita also tells them uh, that Charlie was making, they have this painting, of all these animals what, going on to the Ark? I suppose. Yeah, I assume it's what... a yeah. Pairs of animals are famously always boarding an Ark somewhere. And uh, he was making, oh, he was making her all of these little origami animals uh, pairs to match the painting. And all that's missing is one giraffe. Kristen, I've come up with a name for the interior decoration uh, style. Mm-hmm. Of this house, and it is mid-century checkoff because <laughs> it is just like little diver statue here, one missing origami giraffe over here.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, good one, Jenny. Standing ovation. God damn it. Uh Mulder and Scully leave, and Scully is immediately
2: like, do me a favor, Mulder. Let me say it. Reincarnation.
1: Oh my God. And Mulder's like,
2: well, what about all these other words that are uh, synonymous with reincarnation?
1: It's just like this, this clip between them ends, this scene between them ends with Mulder saying, we're just one short step away from proving the existence of the human soul. This is why all of the creators of this episode were mad about it. Because it's too much. It's just too much. We already know what Mulder wants to do. We don't need to hear it again. Even in, we've talked a lot about how, like, television at this time was different. You know, people weren't, like, doing this binge drop. You know, people, Mm. there might have been many, many weeks or months between episodes. Fine, fine, fine. Even with that, we do not need this episode. This episode has given us nothing new. Um, But... It is going to give us something else old because, Jenny, it's hypnosis (gasps) o'clock. If I ever have to get hypnotized, please make sure it is not by this fucking man. I hate this man. Dr. Spitz is on the scene. He's so scary. Scary? You're scared of Dr. Spitz? Oh, I'm terrified of Dr. Spitz. If I was going into a vulnerable state, which I imagine it would be to be hypnotized, I would not want this man in charge of what was ever going to happen to me. Okay. Noted. my opinion.
2: Dr. Spitz is asking Michelle some questions like, how old are you? And she says, I'm 24 years old. OK, so I'll tell you who isn't 24 year- years old. Uh, Michelle, but also Charlie
1: <laughs> in that picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. In
2: 1994, 24 looked 34. So OK. Yeah. In 1994,
1: the Golden Girls were just our age right now. <gasps> that's not actually true they were a little How older fucking like... dare you Kristen. <laughs> uh, okay so this is um I don't know this scene is a bit upsetting the this child is clearly incredibly traumatized by this experience the therapist is there and she's fucking pissed off Mulder tries to zing her by being like what is Thorazine bitter? She Sheila mm. and Mulder fucking hate each other and I love that um she starts screaming they're killing me they're killing me and her mom oh. goes in and stops this session. Uh, Mulder does not Jenny give one fuck about this child at all. He does not care. He's like when can we do it again? She's going back in. <laughs> we got to prove the existence of the soul. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: <laughs> well, is proving the existence of the human soul, you know, like bigger than the life of one child. I I am not going to answer that question. <laughs> Nor should you. Uh, Mulder and Scully have a little lover's quarrel, your fave. Mm-hmm. I do love it. And he's like, all evidence suggests that Michelle Bishop is Charlie Morris. I don't know, Mulder, if all evidence. You might want to reconsider. I just yeah. feel like, yeah.
1: She says, short of her growing a mustache, how much more apparent does it have to be for you to accept it? Like, I just... Scully makes the point that I feel like was made in tombs, which is, even if this is happening, what are you going to do with this information? Where do you go after you prove this, Mulder? Like, what? And, and like, I have that question, too. Like, understand that, like, there's the Samantha Mulder of it all, and there's the unknown of it all, and Mulder just really needs proof that these things exist so that he can feel better, so that he can maybe find his sister. Fine, 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 fine. But this is a specific case in a specific place where I just believe that an agent as intelligent as we are told Mulder is supposed to be would let it go, would let this eight-year-old just live her life. Like, I just mm-hmm. cannot imagine he'd be going this hard for this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he does. So, I don't well.
2: Know. The one thing we can say for what he's on about is that this eight-year-old cannot live her life uh, as it stands right now. (laughs) That's true. Also, do we think she can remember,
1: like, any of this, like, once she's, like, a happy kid again? No, and honestly, like, I wondered that about her even when... I mean, that's what's confusing. Is she a happy kid... (laughs) I'm skipping ahead. But is she a happy kid again at the end of the episode because Charlie Morris is still her, but Charlie is fine now? Or <laughs> did Charlie leave? Did Charlie his leave?
2: the business was finished.
1: And then if, the, if, that, if that was the vibe, then there was always a Michelle and a Charlie in the body of the eight year old. So Charlie just had to leave. You know. I know. I'm doing it again. It's none of our
2: business, Kristen. It's none of our business.
1: Um. Oh my God, Jenny, were you so excited by what happens next?
2: Mulder writing in his little diary?
1: (laughs) Writing in his little diary, and instead of by candlelight, it's by a mutilated doll. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: took so many pictures of my screen. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, scritchy, scritchy, scritch, watching video of the hypnotherapy session. Mm -hmm. The video glitches, and he notices a low voice blending with Michelle's voice. And she says, I'm 24.
1: Oh, I didn't even know that. Interesting. And he's all,
2: enhance.
1: (laughs) There it is. For those of you who are waiting for it from earlier, including me, we finally got it.
2: Holy hocus pocus. Get it in. Okay, so over at the Fiore home, mm-hmm. Anita's been in a bathroom,
1: I think, for a while at this point. It's the universal symbol for going through a rough time.
2: Yeah, distressed. Mm-hmm. Honey, you're going to feel like 30% better if you just put some pants on real quick. <laughs> uh, a knock at the door, she throws it open. Who's there? Knock,
1: knock, who's there? Chekhov's Origami Giraffe. <laughs> Here it is. Anita, don't go out on the fucking porch. This is rule number 1. No matter where you are, if the door, if the if you hear a rap tap tap on the door and no one is there, do not open the door first and do not go out on the porch. Second, no, have no, you no, ever no, no, seen no. a scream movie in your life? Come on. Seriously? Um, I wrote in my notes, can someone please keep tabs on the smug bitch? Like, how is this eight-year-old constantly just walking She's out just... of her house to Buffalo? Like what locking people in the wine cellar, hopping on the bus. I just scoot can't. scoot. Um <sighs> All right, so we go to the enhanced apartment, um, where mm-hmm. the guy tells us that whatever the other image in this is, was recorded in the room with that girl. It's not something that's been superimposed. And uh, Mulder talks about this case of a person who could, with his mind, make an image hit a film negative. So I Googled this because I it sounded like something that was based on a real thing. Uh, and it was. And? It was. It, it seems like it was a hoax. Sorry, Mulder. Um, but the guy's name was Ted Sirios, S-E-R-I-O-S. Um, he was born in 1918. He was a Chicago bellhop. Um, mm. And he was known for his production of, quote, photographs on Polaroid film. He claimed that they were produced using psychic powers. Um, he would sort of hold up this little canister when the when the um, photo was taken, um, and sometimes it would just be all black. Sometimes it would be blown out, and sometimes there would be this sort of like superimposed image on the inside of the Polaroid that he said came mm-hmm. from his mind. Uh, it was found. Later, while he was still alive, it was found that uh, what he he called it his gizmo, <laughs> the thing that he would hold up, um, hmm. and th- that gizmo was basically uh, what would do this trick Um, and you can read about it. You can Google Ted Sirius and read about this, but this was not real. This was not coming from the mind of this photographer or I guess he wasn't even a photographer. It was not coming from the mind of this man. Um, It was uh, sort of like an uh, optical manipulation with the thing inside of the tube that he was holding. So I, I Uh guess Mulder didn't have, I mean, you know, to Mulder's defense, he didn't have Wikipedia uh, in 1990. so he couldn't find out that this was actually a hoax. In 1968, a professor of physiology um, suggested that it was actually the light uh, that formed the photographs from a luminous picture placed in front of the camera lens that was hidden inside of the gizmo. (laughs) The gizmo. Wait, a luminous what? A luminous picture placed in front of the camera lens hidden inside of the gizmo that he held. Okay. Oh, here she is. <gasps> she did her- a bunch of work off screen. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she she tracked down the missing page from the autopsy record. Well, well, well. Morris was drowned before he was disfigured. Uh, the signs of immersion are only apparent on his face. And there was a presence of something that indicates he was killed in seawater.
1: Dun dun And Mulder dun. said,
2: I see what's going
1: on here. I'm oh, wow. so sorry. I little actually, Rishi, little Rishi snuck right out there. Not even. I
2: just uh, nobody deserved that. I'm I apologize.
1: Um at Anita's house, Tony runs in. Tony not a guy that should have ever participated in any kind of crime at all he he cannot (laughs) handle the pressure he's screaming he's sweating pack your bags anita someone's trying to kill me anita's like can you just tell me any one single thing and he's like screaming at her why don't you trust me i'm your husband just pack your fucking bags we pan to smug bitch at the window dude
2: Lord help me if I ever look over at my window and see this child's little face. Don't even
1: put that into the universe. Jesus.
2: I know. I mean, I don't want to put it into the universe. I'm just afraid.
1: Back. Yeah. I mean, I am too. But this this only got a one out of five rating from Latoya. So we shouldn't be afraid. (laughs)
2: Let's see if she still feels that way after I show up uh, peering in through the curtains at her house.
1: Just a thought. <laughs> uh, back at the enhanced department, uh, this guy is cleaning up the noise. He's talking about one who's got the signs and one has got the cosines and algorithms and hoobity-hoos and gizmos and such. Oh, hibbity-hoos. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? Um, and he reveals this fish tank astronaut embedded into this image. Um, and Mulder... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mulder is now the math meme, and he is putting all of the pieces together. He (gasps) says Charlie Morris was drowned in his own tropical fish tank, and that astronaut was the last thing he saw before he died. It's a lot of figuring for one quick little moment. I'll tell you what.
2: Everything's been leading us here. All the evidence points to... uh,
1: only thing we're missing is a mustache on Michelle. <laughs> 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 also, just a quick just a
2: quick question, where has Tony been this whole time? He's got he's <laughs> returned with a duffel bag of money from the safety deposit box we assume, but why did it take him Hours and hours. This woman has been wearing a bathrobe forever.
1: <laughs> She's called every person she ever met and every person they ever met in the time that it took him to get cash <laughs> out of the box. He probably like sat on the floor in the fetal position at the security deposit box office, whatever you call it. You think that so? Place. Yeah, the bank. I feel like he was just in a panic. He was sweating. He was trying to be calm. Then he was sweating again. Oh, yep. Yep. And Anita tells him that someone left the fucking giraffe.
2: And he's like, oh, no, he knows what's up. He knows the ghost of Charlie Morris is after him.
1: The the, the speed at which Anita and Tony, like, clock exactly what's going on is incredible. Scully, take some notes. (laughs) (laughs) The power is cut. Um, I write in my notes, please give me the scene where my smug bitch cuts the power, you cowards. I want to see her little face in the dark with a little pair of, like, scissors cutting the power line. I would like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're getting all sorts of paranormal shit. There's a ghost locking the door, um, locking Anita in. There's a fucking cord wrapped around Tony's legs by ghost or telekinesis or both the gun is lost from his hands the ghost gives the gun to michelle the ghost gives the gun to
2: michelle uh the ghost is like you know who should have this gun well i guess (laughs) me (laughs) me slash an eight-year-old girl um mm. mulder and scully come screeching up outside skirk uh isn't it interesting that they so rarely have backup of any kind? <laughs> it's always just the two of them.
1: Yeah, it is. When,
2: you know, you'd think that Mulder would be like, A, if something freaky is happening, I want as many people to see it as possible. And B, I anticipate something as freaky is happening, and therefore I would like to have mm-hmm. the security of additional people present.
1: I agree. But um... no. <laughs> But No, not but only no, that, Kristen. but once they get in the fucking house, he's like, ooh, something paranormal seems to be happening downstairs. Scully, why don't you go upstairs and check on Anita? <laughs> I'm like, mother! <laughs> um, the ghost is, like, closing the doors and, like, not letting them in, but Scully uh, finds a basement way in. Well, this is important, Jenny, because we almost made it through the whole episode without the use of a flashlight, but they use their flashlights here.
2: You gotta see. You gotta, you gotta see. Mm-hmm. When a ghost-slash-reincarnated man is occupying the body of a eight-year-old girl mm-hmm. to do murders, mm-hmm. but the power is cut, you simply need to see... <laughs> Uh, I really like when, okay, so Michelle is like destroying shit and throwing po- fireplace pokers at Tony and stuff with her mind. Um, But I-, I love that Tony is just talking to Michelle with absolute confidence that she is Charlie. Yeah. She's like, he's like, eight year old to eight year old girl, why didn't you just take the money, man? <laughs> Telling and I you, love it.
1: Tony, maybe a horrible criminal, but he's a great paranormal believer. <laughs> he's yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. ready for it. Um, yeah, he's saying this won't make right what happened. Thank God Scully had her flashlight, Jenny, because she finds the key on the floor outside of Anita's room. <laughs> the two of them run down and witness this. this. The room is blue. It is a blue that can only be created by a power of the paranormal okay oh yeah fucking tony immediately confesses he tells anita i knew what they did to charlie i was a part of it i never said anything i couldn't i just wanted to take care of you who else would have taken care of you (laughs) sir um
2: (laughs) sir. Uh, anita is a lovely woman and i'm confident that if she really wanted someone to take care of her, she could have found somebody else to take care of her.
1: Mm-hmm. Slash probably could have taken care of herself. But that's there we a go. conversation for another day. I have gone so deep into calling the character named Michelle Elizabeth that I've now shortened her name to Lizzie when she gets really scary. <laughs> and her name, folks, was never Elizabeth. Um,
2: In your defense, Kristen, Michelle and Elizabeth are basically the same name. <laughs>
1: So her vision goes blue. Um, she explodes the fish tank, uh, puts cracks in the ceiling, and Anita asks Charlie, again, knows it's Charlie, please don't hurt him anymore.
2: What do you think of that?
1: What do I think of which part? What do I think of Anita telling Charlie in the body of Michelle to not hurt him? Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, like, I buy it and I also don't, it didn't seem, honestly, it didn't seem to me like Charlie wanted to murder Tony because, Hmm. I mean, the fire poker flies across the room and it seems like Charlie Ghost or whatever has really good- Charlie. Aim and specific, very fine motor ghost skills, you know. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I, 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 buy this. I think that Anita is going to leave Tony after this. I don't think they're going to remain together because that's a pretty big breach of trust, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I believe that Anita doesn't want Tony to die, and I also don't think that Charlie wanted Tony to die. I think. Um, I think Leon deserved it. (laughs) But you know who didn't deserve it? Charlie. Who? Charlie. Charlie didn't deserve to die, and Tony didn't know what the fuck was going on. Leon was the greedy bitch at the center of it all. (laughs) He deserved to die. Um, Otherwise, these boys just had to work out some of their feelings, which is what they do in this scene.
2: Yes. Get him, Kristen. (laughs) Okay. You know... I just hate when a fish tank explodes, Kristen. Mm.
1: You know, Jenny, I have one in my basement, actually. Um, did I ever tell you this? No. When I bought when I bought my house, um, it was empty. Mm-hmm. It, you know, when you buy a house, it usually comes with, like, maybe the appliances and the cabinets and things that are fixed. Mine also came with a fish tank that is literally the size of the fish tank in this episode. It's huge. <laughs> and it's just in the basement. So... I just, w- I didn't want you to be too sad. I wanted you to know that, like, there's at least one fish tank to replace this broken fish tank for the Fiore. Um, are you gonna do anything about it? Well, it's like, I keep thinking, like, oh, I should, like, give it away or sell it or whatever but then every time I think that I'm like but what if one day I want a fish tank like they're not cheap mm. Those a big fish tank it feels like it has some value so right now yeah, it's just in the yeah. basement waiting to find out if it has a place in this home or not in my 800 square foot home if this 200 square foot aquarium has any place probably yeah, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a sizable um, chunk
2: of your total square footage but it <laughs> could be worth it
1: yeah your little fishy friends <sighs> Scully, I would like to give a shout out to Scully, Jenny, because, you know, there's been a couple of episodes where she's not known where her own gun is, but she was aware of where the fuck the gun in this room was from the moment that the fucking scene started. The the fucking light barely changes from blue back to regular. And she's walked directly over to Michelle just to... She doesn't care about Michelle at all. She just takes the gun. She's like, no, thank you. (laughs) You don't need this. Yeah, yeah. I mean...
2: If anybody on the show has ever not needed a gun, Kristen, it's the eight-year-old girl. I agree.
1: Um, and we get a pan. Oh, my gosh. The camera pans right on over to the little astronaut.
2: Uh, it's a diver. It's a deep-sea diver.
1: <laughs> it's a fish tank astronaut.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: The astronaut of the sea is a deep-sea diver, Jenny. So we're both right. Chekhov's undersea astronaut (laughs) also like scully goes to get the gun and we just see michelle's little kid sneakers walk away like michelle just walks away there's not like i i just kind of thought like she was gonna like collapse and cry or like you know just like have a moment of like whoa that force that was inside of me is now gone but she just strolls off like i just picture her like continuing walking she gets on the bus she just goes back home (laughs) that's it for her (laughs) she's definitely not calling her mom to be like mom no <laughs> this girl knows her way around the buffalo you can pick me up
2: i'm done being possessed transit
1: system so we learn that uh fury, after this fury pleads guilty uh leon and Barbala's deaths were ruled as accidental and michelle everyone took her first swimming lesson she doesn't remember a thing according to what we hear uh in these ending moments of the episode Sheila Sheila the therapist and Michelle's mom denied Mulder's request to continue hypnosis Mulder (laughs) Mulder's like I know that um, your daughter's
2: now fine but also can I keep doing um, probing yeah just a little bit of probing status unexplained
1: Yeah, I was pretty surprised that Mulder decided to do the end of the podcast for you in this episode. Well,
2: what I would say actually I guess I have to wait. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. Before I can tell you about the status of this X-file, Kristen, mm-hmm. I have to tell you about the status of <laughs> uh some sexual tension. Let's go there now. <laughs> Well, I was trying to think of something.
1: I literally, more, I was waiting simultaneously
2: for, more and less appropriate.
1: I literally <laughs> thought say. you were going to say the status of my dick. <laughs> That's what I was waiting
2: for. <laughs> that is a great example of something that I considered saying but did not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Welcome back to another installment of the Sexual Attention Awards. Oh, my goodness, so much to choose from, kind of, sort of. Well, we've got three. We've got th- <laughs> I was overselling it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay, actually, no, 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 no. I've got four. I've got four. I've got four. I've got four. In the first slot, the coupling I'd like you to consider, Um, well, you know, he loves to look in the mirror, and he loves what he sees when he does. Mm. It's Barbala, Det- Detective Barbala and his reflection. Nice. Okay. Okay. In slot number two, uh, this man is pining. He's pining so hard. He just like wants it so bad he can almost taste it. It's Mulder and all of the evidence pointing to Michelle Bishop being Charlie Morris. <laughs> uh-huh. Slot number three, uh, where is the hottest place you've ever hooked up and is it a morgue? Please tell me. Uh, Or at the very least, just sort of the autopsy room at the police department. (laughs) In slot number three, we have Special Agent Dana Scully and Detective Sharon Lazard. Hell yeah! Smooch,
1: smooch, smooch,
2: smooch. And in slot number four, you could cut this tension with a knife. You could also dig this tension up with a grave shovel Mm. it's Charlie Morris Mm -hmm. and vengeance slash justice fuck yeah what do you
1: think I love it I love it
2: okay if you want to vote in the sexual attention award poll for this episode please visit bufferingcast.com slash STA and you will be guided so gently but so firmly to the poll for this episode Uh, you can cast your little vote you can make your voice heard uh, and we will be thrilled to receive whatever it is that
1: you uh want to put your voting power behind. Sharon and Scully. Sharon and Scully. Okay. Okay, okay, Sh- okay, their okay, their okay. ship name is Scully. Scully. <laughs> Sh- <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. All right, go vote, people. We're gonna take a nap.
2: Now that you've gone and cast your little vote, dear listener, uh, continue to apply your ear directly to this episode as I entreat Kristen with all of the uh, persuasive powers at my disposal. Kristen, hark, lo, what (laughs) amethyst light through yonder crystal ball breaks, tis... Kristen's crystal ball and the s- sun is the east I don't remember which is <laughs> the east and fa- Kristen's fair crystal ball is the sun okay <laughs> Kristen's crystal ball not nearly as sleep deprived as i sound
1: Mm.
2: as I may appear Mm -hmm. but what's really cool about having a baby Mm -hmm. now for nearly nigh on 10 months Mm -hmm. is that you're so profoundly leveled at the beginning for the first like four months Mm -hmm. that once you like start getting like okay sleep again all it takes is like one minor disturbance for you to be reduced to your absolutely <laughs> useless state from That's months fair. one through four. <laughs> uh yeah, Aldrich woke up at 6.15 this morning. So I'm like, oh, oh I'm
1: Kristen Jenny, woke up at six fifteen this morning. Yeah. Maybe I should just well, hang out at your house more often. Me and Aldrich can wake up and party together.
2: <laughs> that sounds great. Could you do
1: that? Yeah. Uh, My crystal ball actually said it only works when I'm home here, uh, unfortunately for you and your family. Jenny, I have two listener submitted questions to the crystal ball, but um, I like to begin by, of course, making space just in case you have any crystal ball questions.
2: Do I look like a person who has questions or even statements or even general ideas? No,
1: no, you don't. (laughs) Not today, baby. All right.
2: What do the listeners want to know?
1: um suzanne our listener suzanne wrote in hello gorgeous uh just so you know everyone writes to the crystal ball these are to not the ball two, yeah. yeah they're just, it's not me it's the ball it's compliments uh, are not for Kristen. no hello gorgeous i have only one question for you who is queequeg all my love and devotion to your amethyst glow suzanne Quee-queg. i don't know if i'm saying Ugh, it right this is such a good question yeah you're saying it right okay quick um so i think way to uh, go suzanne quick is a small uh robot who works at um <laughs> don't you think <laughs> <laughs> no sorry no this is it's just I can tell i'm laughing because you're right. so dead I can on tell i'm right yeah no it's <laughs> yeah. amazing you're just astounded by how right i am um I think that there are, you know, there's like a space space program that they'll go that Scully and Mulder will go to because it'll be some <laughs> alien based episode. And the space program will have a they're developing like a new little robot that helps them do things. It does like really good math um, and probably makes some little jokes with Mulder and Scully as well. That's Quee Quig
2: space program and makes little jokes.
1: Picture like R2D2 but make it in in on earth and best part of the NASA space program. Okay, beautiful. Incredible, uh, flawless. I have no notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um the second question I picked listener submitted is from Meredith. Dear Miss Ball, do you think we will meet characters named Kristen and Jenny on the show and what spooky similarities might they share with the real Kristen and Jenny? Stay glassy, Meredith. <laughs> Stay glassy. <laughs> Um, yes, I definitely think that we'll get a Kristen and a Jenny somewhere along our way on the show. Um, I think, okay, so some, I'm doing this one off the cuff. I thought about Quee I didn't have to think very long about Quee Quag. Like, the robot of it all came to me very quickly, me and my ball. Um, mm. <clears throat> but this I didn't think about. I just put it in here because it seemed fun. Uh, yes. Uh, Kristen and Jenny will appear on the show. I think uh, the similarity that Kristen uh, will have to Kristen online, Kristen Nolene, <laughs> that's me, <laughs> uh, will be uh, that Kristen, this Kristen will also have a uh, sort of medium length brown hair um, and will probably have a wild theory or two. Okay. Okay. Maybe also a cat. Okay. Jenny will appear, um, and similar uh, weird similarities that Jenny on the X-Files will have to Jenny Owen Young's will be that she will have a, an, an oddly placed S in her last name or middle name. Um, mm-hmm. so, so people could say her name wrong, you know, all the time. Um, okay. Uh, and she will also love playing the game Skyrim.
2: Okay, just for reference, I Skyrim came out in 2011. I
1: know that was just a that was a joke one, but then you didn't laugh, so I just was quiet for a while, <laughs> waiting for any. Kind
2: well, of response. the very first Elder Scrolls game, um, and Skyrim is the most recent in the series of Elder Scrolls games. Um, was you're gonna fucking love this, the Elder Scrolls Arena, which came out in 1994.
1: Fuck yes. Go, crystal ball. Get it. <laughs> Lord, let it be so. Um, those are my predictions. I also think that Jenny will be a rule follower and Kristen will be like a, a wily. No one knows what she's going to do next. <laughs> all right. Well, that all sounds very promising and accurate. And I love it. Great. That's all that I have for my crystal ball today, Jenny. Um, I do want to say that someone wrote in to see if we would do a recap at the end of the season to go over some of the theories that I had. And, um, you know, if <laughs> I was right. Me and my yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah.
2: There's probably a lot of, yeah, a lot of victory lapping you want to do. Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh,
2: For sure. For yep. sure. We should, um, yeah, maybe we should do a special crystal ball <laughs> mini-sode. Yeah. Um, Tremendous. Well, hey I think that that about does it. I would say that the status of this X-File is Oh, Kristen It's terrible. Don't look directly at it. Shield your delicate eyes oh, no. because this X-File has had its left arm removed and its right eye gouged plumb out Wow, bummer. I hate when an X-File loses an eye I know. <laughs> then it's just an X-Fool <laughs> It on me. I'm Jenny Owen (laughs) (laughs) Youngs. And when I'm not watching The X-Files or Buffy, I'm usually sitting somewhere sleep deprived (laughs) Uh, and possibly writing and recording music. I have a new album that came out. Can you believe it? Uh, In September, it's called Avalanche. Mm -hmm. And you can find that in all of the music streaming places. You can also... Order it on sumptuous, deep purple vinyl. Don't mind if I do. You can catch me and editor of the pod, John Mark Nelson, on tour together playing songs from Avalanche. Uh, We've got dates coming up in November in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Oregon, and Seattle. Uh, Come hang out with us. You can find tickets and info at JennyOandYoungs.com. And you can find me on... Pretty much all the socials, at Jenny Owen Youngs.
1: And I am Kristen Russo, and when I'm not looking into my crystal ball, watching the X-Files, or listening to the newest iteration of the Buffyverse, I am doing work with and for LGBTQ communities. Uh, you can learn more about that and some of the fun uh, little side projects that I do on my website, kristinnoelene.com. That's K R I S T I N N O E L I N E. Um working on a book over there as well. Uh, two books, no waiting. Just kidding. Two books, literally all the waiting. All the waiting. Mm-hmm. But I did see the first half of that book illustrated uh, just yesterday, and it looks so cool. And I'm very excited. Hooray. Uh, Yeah. And you can use that spelling of my first and middle name. Uh, My middle name is Nolene, not online, uh, to find me (laughs) on most social platforms.
2: Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast. You can email us at hello at BufferingCast.com. And you can email the crystal ball at crystalball at bufferingcast.com.
1: Please do. Please email the crystal ball. The the emails delight me to no end. Uh, You can support our work uh, by becoming a patron of ours, patreon.com slash bufferingcast. It is November 1st. On November 4th, we have a really fun uh, triple whammy of an event happening. Jenny is going to be playing our favorite Spike-adjacent buffering songs, and then we are going to be doing a live watch of both Fool for Love and Lover's Walk to round out Pumpkin Spike Autumn. So if you're listening to this before the 4th, come on and join us.
2: This episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and LaToya Ferguson with support from our consultant Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. Until next time. Would you consider submitting your young daughter to yet another session of uh, regression hypnotherapy?
0: for so long that the bees were disappearing. But now, when I see them, well, each time is like a little gift. And do you remember the last time you saw bees? In the orchards, I think. It appears the areas of your brain that had suffered varying levels of atrophy have, in a sense, rebuilt themselves. And this happened very quickly overnight.
1: Anything else I can get for
0: you? actually here looking for someone. Uh, my brother Colin. He was in town about a week ago. Do you know where Cruxmont is? There is nothing in Cruxmont that anyone has ever wanted to find except for plum wine and fruit pies. You shouldn't have come in. Miss town. Leave, just leave! Colin! Don't mind Cruxmont.